catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. Across Africa, the hashtag cybersecurity incidents results in losses estimated at about 3.5 to about $4 billion. In the second quarter of 2023, Africa experienced the highest average number of cyber attacks per week per organization with a 23% increase compared to the same period in 2022. Now, for the past two to three years that, you know, I've had a show talking about things in tech, things like deepfakes, cyber diplomacy, data protection, AI-powered cybersecurity tools, cybersecurity culture, third-party vendor risk, indigenous cybersecurity tools and platforms. These are some of the issues that you know I've had to deal with and I've had to have discussions on. The month of October is dedicated to cybersecurity awareness. And this year, 2023, ISNOS Cyber Limited and Africa Tech Radio in partnership are coming together to drum up support for cybersecurity awareness in not just Nigeria, but the continent of Africa and the rest of the world. This is the first episode of a four-part series that's dedicated to cybersecurity awareness. And today I have with me the Chief Technology Officer of Ethno Cyber Limited, Goodness Opmani. He leads the technical team across the four practice departments of the organization and has over 12 years of experience in information security assurance, process implementation and assessment, cybersecurity posture assessment and service improvement, as well as security standards implementation. And he's not alone. I also have with me Martins Igwe. He's a service-oriented IT professional with over 15 years of experience in infrastructure planning, information, architecture, security engineering, project management, IT threat landscape, and you know the others. He's the CISO uh, DPO at Globals Bank. And today, what will we be discussing? Well, a couple of things, chief of which is the threat landscape of 2023. And what were to expect in 2024? At Ethnos, we are focused on solving customers' problems. Whether it is securing the applications and databases that power your business, the users and customers that access your infrastructure, API calls that go in and out of your business, securing people who are your greatest assets, but also pose your weakest link. We also look after your relevant security regulatory standards and the frameworks that you should comply with. Yes, we are ethnos and solve real problems. Mr. Goodness, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing all right, um, Anthony. It's good to be here. It's good to have me on this call. Um, so happy that I can lend my voice to this part. It's a very important topic that we are discussing today. Mm, thank you. And to Mr. Martin, welcome. Uh, thank you very much, Tony. Martin here. And um, thank you for having me. Mm, good to have both of you. It's been a you know a while. I actually had persons who were in cybersecurity. And it's this is like the best time to have this particular conversation because it's in the month of October. First, let's start with how you feel. What do you feel? How do you feel? And what does it feel like to be talking about cybersecurity? Mr. Martin first and then goodness. All right, thank you once again. Um, talking about cybersecurity, um, talking about um, the different uh, mechanisms for us to uh, protect our different organizations. Yes, um, this is a month of cybersecurity awareness. And it's a good thing that we won't have to acknowledge that in this part of the world because cybersecurity in itself has actually cut across um, different parastatals, organizations, and different industries at large. So I'm actually very excited. The fact that the mission or the mission and the gospel, let me put it as that, the gospel of cybersecurity is gradually coming in this month and is actually touching different lives and extending its own tentacles across Africa as a whole. So I'm actually excited and I'm very passionate about cybersecurity. That is why um, I'm excited to be in this show today. Thank, Thank you, you very much. We're excited too. Mr. Goodness, 
it's Ethnos that's bringing us to these set of episodes, uh, the series for Cybersecurity Month Awareness. How does it feel to be, you know, a leading organization that's bringing this to the fore? Thank you very much, Anthony. Um, and, and once again, th- thank you for this show. You know, Ethnos, it's a purely um, focused cybersecurity company. And, and, and that means that everything cybersecurity across the different domains, whether it's offensive, whether it's defensive, whether it's GRC, has been the core of what we do as, as Ethnos as a business. And and coming coming down to the fact that um, this is October, uh, we always look forward to October every single year because October for us is one of the times, one of the one of the mom, one of those moments that we we use to preach that, like Martin just rightly said, the gospel about cybersecurity. It's it, the focus is how um, individuals and not just the uh, top, not just top percent running organization. We're talking about just about every single person, um, the market woman on the streets, the businessman running his business in Alaba, the um, the market seller in Oibo. Um, the the youth, the young the young person in 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 the tech, in, in Lasso or in Unilad using his phone, his computer to do whatever he's doing. How he can become more and more cyber aware of the threats that are around him and what he can do to prevent them. Mm. Just a few days ago, you know, I was watching a series and it said something about if a Nigerian prince. You know, whose father is the king of Nigeria sends you a message calling for help and requesting for money. You just have to send it. You don't ask questions. You send it. I don't know if, you know, that whole Prince of Nigeria story still sells. But, Mr. Goodness, what trends shaped Africa's cybersecurity space in 2023? What kind of threats, you know, was the landscape like in 2023? Yeah, we, we, I mean, we're already trying to close in 2023, but again, what the year this has been, all right? When the year was about to start, we, we, we released a, a, um, uh, a brochure providing insight into what the outlook of the, of the cyber security landscape is going to be in 2023. And as we are pushing the end, it just seems to align. Again, we, we focused on two major things, which is the fact that there is going to be a shift in the content and in the context of cyber security attacks with, with content now where you are beginning to see people delivering more and more cyber security attacks personally using identity as the key way of delivering them compromised identities so no longer would you see cyber attackers going to go and break into organizations try to hit their perimeters they just simply compromise somebody's identity and use that to carry out the attacks and Again, that use that just like you mentioned, using methods as simple as phishing to carry out that particular attack. Just give a person a bait, and the person is able to be trapped, and the person can you can able to use that to take over his identity and compromise whatever he is in the organization. In in Nigeria today, we have seen an increase in ransomware as a service, for example. So hackers today they even recruit people even from within the organization. So for example. I want to attack a specific organization. I, I, I don't need to put so much effort as an attacker. I will just be bait a person right there in the organization and say, I have so so and so amounts to give you if you work with me to be able to compromise your organization. And if you compare the amount that you're getting as salary or whatever dividend or allowance you're getting for salary and compare it to what the attacker is providing to you, you will find out that the difference is just so much. And again, Nigeria with our crippling economy. You see that bit always catches on. So people are people are caught on, and they are using individuals, internal individuals, uh, to recruit them into that that cartel that is used for carrying out these attacks. Um, I mean, this, these are some of the things that we have seen. But, but again, that's even for the content. Um, for, for the context, we have seen the increased use of uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning as a way of propagating these attacks. So, of course, artificial intelligence and machine learning are, are good. Of course, they are new technologies. But again, they are still harnessed into carrying out uh, more and more harm. So, in, in the past, before a person can be able to generate code or a malware, for example, so to say, even if it's a ransomware that comes in sort of code for ransomware attack, 
he will have to you know think about it in so many ways he will have to crack his brain he has to be a very seasoned person that understands application development coding and all of that but in recent times now you can just simply go on chat gpt for example and to help you generate that code that you want to you have people who do ransomware as a service so you can provide that for you and it just automatically generates what you want to do and you can use that so a person who has little or no idea about coding can simply generate uh, malware and send it and propagate it as an attack to his um, to his specific target. So this is that's one of the paradigm shifts that we have seen in, in 2023. Mm. And Mr. Martins, did your predictions also align with what we saw in 2023 based on the threats and the trends? I'll say very big yes to that. Okay, the threats, as you all know, in cybersecurity keeps changing. Okay, the landscape keeps changing. And just like uh, Mr. Goodness rightly said, when it has to do with identities, okay, based off of the research that was done or the outlook that was done for 2023, it was actually predicted that about 20% would be based off of AI and machine learning. And of course, with the trend that is happening in the cybersecurity space as well, we expect to, we have a lot of OEMs, everyone is now leaving the brick and mortar to now identify with the cloud services. So now there's a greater adoption of cloud technology and that speaks to about 19%. I'm talking about these uh, advances in user identities as well. I could tell you comfortably that I had some intels of a lot of staff of different organizations personally selling their identities. It might be very shocking to note, but this is, is what we're seeing in reality, based off of the user identity and access management that has actually increased the cyber risks and the strategies. And this is actually going to be predominant in the next two years. So yes, the prediction actually came to be. And talking about um, the global landscape as it were as well, the crisis that we've seen, like the Russia, Ukraine war and the likes, they've also led to a lot of catastrophic cyber events. And it's going to continue. Now we're hearing about Israel and Gaza. All of these trends also speaks to the fact that cyber events is not what we need to actually joke around with. It is real. It is here with us in Nigeria. It is also in Africa as we are. Last time, I don't know if you heard of the um, anonymous Sudan attack for DDoS. This is Africa we are looking at. And it even happened in one of the technological advanced parts of Af East Africa, in Kenya. So here's the predictions came in, the rise in AI and cybersecurity, the Internet of Things security concerns, when it has to do with IoT. Recently, I was reading an article that even there's even DDoS on a different Internet of Things, the televisions and the likes. So this keeps changing. And uh, one more thing, you, uh, goodness also mentioned the part of the ransomware as a service, not just ransomware as a service this time, there's something that I haven't read. I don't know how true that is. Crime as a service, just crime generally. As a service, everything is now sold as a service. You do not need to have the expertise to be able to attack any company. What you just need to do is just to um, social engineer the members of the staff. They can even get them to sell their identities. And generally, just as the phrase always says, we are strong as our weakest link. This particular phrase has not gone out of fashion because security has actually become everyone's concern. Okay, and um, just just to mention a few, aside the other part of data protection and the likes. So mm -hmm. while we go on, we'll discuss some more of these things. Thank you. Yeah. So touching on the particular trends and threats and issues throughout this year. I would want us to look at the SME-based or SME kind of, you know, threats and trends that we noticed. And I know that the year 2023-2024 will be, uh, say, called the year of elections on the continent from Kenya, Nigeria, Liberia currently, as I speak, Liberia is voting. Early 2024, South Africa will be voting. Were there any trends you notice or issues that had to do with cybersecurity and maybe diplomacy and democracy uh, this is out for anyone who wants to actually both mr goodness and uh, anyone who wants to actually attack first yeah i can i can let me let me go let me go for there i mean we saw what happened during our last last election that just went to. um nita reported that um 
uh, I think Galaxy Backbone, I think they are yeah, the ones yeah, that reported yeah. that a lot of them did that the um, attacks were carried out across their different servers that were located um, both on their on-prem and even in their cloud um, uh, on their cloud, the cloud service providers providing services to them. Um, even a couple of different um, parties, uh, both those on the opposing side and those on the winning side, also confirmed that similar kind of attacks happened. In fact, there were also breaches that happened across some of the servers that were located. Um, majority of what we are hearing now in the courts is, is uh, as a result of one or two incidents that have happened with regard to cyber security um, attacks. And and this this these things are not are not they, they were not they're not as, as if they're just trying to cook up figures. They are actual th real things that happen. We have seen and we have seen that pattern. I mean, in the past when elections do happen, we we, we had this. I mean, elections. Um, we, we never thought about attacks happening, surely on the portals of the mm -hmm. bodies who are representing elections in Nigeria. We never saw that. From but we were still seeing that pattern from the last election. And even not, not I mean, the election before even this last election, we saw that pattern that happened. We also saw the same kind of pattern happening. So it, it, it's and, and that's one of the reasons why even I, I mean, INEC, for example, um, the, the body regulating elections have always talked about the fact why they would not go fully digital when it comes to voting because that's that's on their own because there are a lot of ways to protect themselves with that. But but the point is just like Mr. Martin uh, has mentioned, the moment when you when you begin to adopt technologies, all right, uh, what, what has happened is that they begin, they have begun to adopt uh, new and new technologies, especially cloud technologies. The more you adopt new technologies, which is good for automating some of the processes that you do, the, the more you are susceptible to these cyber attacks. It is going to happen, okay? It is going to happen. It's, it's, it, could, it could even be that those attacks were originating from here in Nigeria, from specific persons who have been paid as actors to carry out those attacks, or it could be that those were outsourced to individuals across... Um, different countries i know of one of the one of the parties who mentioned that when they carried out a an investigation one of the originators ip one of the relating ip of one of those attacks were coming all the way from australia and that was coming all the way from china so it's possible that they have outsourced some of these persons as far away to these different countries to carry out these attacks it's possible that the person that may even have been kind of attack would be here in nigeria or mask but masquerading his ip or masking his ip because this Things can happen. You can mask your IP. You can change your location to a different country, and then use a kind of attack so that when they are doing investigation, you can be pointing them to a different country, not knowing that you are currently in Nigeria. So, I mean, we, we saw that happen here, here in here in, um, in Nigeria just very recently, and because of this adoption of cloud technologies. But this is not the first time it has happened in the United States too. Their last election, we saw that same incident happen again, be, be, uh, coming up from the Russia. United States silent cyber warfare that is happening. So they, they have a cyber warfare that is constantly happening. So you have the, it's a constant thing. And in the next election, how that how that came to the fore, the, that the Facebook analytical so I can't remember what was called now. It's still in the courts right now because they're still trying to determine how lots and lots of people's data were breached as one of those events that surrounded the time when the United States had an election. We're still going to have more and more of those incidents happening across different elections, both whether in Africa and even abroad. The reason is because of the more and more adoption of cloud technologies and new and new technologies for use for automating processes. So this is going to be, this is this, we're still going to see more and more of this kind of events happen on a larger scale. Hmm. Uh, Mr. Martin, can you speak to maybe the things you notice in terms of SME and businesses, small businesses especially, uh, maybe medium-scale businesses too, as regards to and relation to cybersecurity trends and threats? I know you already mentioned, you know, insider. Um, you know, the fact that that was a major, a major thing. All right, concerning SMEs, uh, of course, small and medium-scale businesses. They are also not left up when it has to do with uh, cybersecurity threats or different threat actors after them. We've seen the likes of fintechs, and um, the truth is, uh, from a regulatory point of view, a lot of um, fintechs too have been um, like the PSPs and the different payment service providers. They are all regulated as we speak. So a lot of times, the regulators also tries to enhance or also tries to impose a bit of assessments on these PSPs because while you deal on this on um, your cyber security where you have been exposed to cyber security risk it actually affects a lot of people with respect to the different kind of uh, information that you actually capture from the personal identifiable information to the different uh, integration that's been done within 
So they are not actually left out in the exposure to cyber threats. I know they have a lot of issues when it has to do with funding because cyber security as it were, security is not, is not, is, a, is an expensive venture, let's put it that way. So I think from the regulatory point of view, I'm speaking from the fintech space now, there's a lot of regulations around having a central cyber security platform that these SMEs can actually integrate to, to get a bit of protection because we all know that when it has to do with the costs, a lot of these um, small and medium-sized businesses cannot really afford it. So they are not really left out. But then the body from the regulators are actually looking at how to reach out to them and also get a lot of financial inclusions as well. Okay, so that is what is actually being done. And this is what we have seen happening in the different SME spaces. Mm. And for enterprises, big enterprises on the continent, what what trends and threats would you you know say you noticed? Um, lately, aside uh, the ransomware, which of course, as the name implies, there's a malicious software that's somewhere, and when your information is being encrypted, a ransom is requested. So a lot of times, we have seen situations where these big enterprises, despite the sophisticated tools that they have or they have acquired, a lot of things, a lot of monitoring is not usually been effective. We've not seen, we've seen a lot of times that the monitoring is not effective and as a result, they still fall prey to such cyber attacks. We've also seen a lot of data breaches. A lot of times, there are different segments when you have to do with dealing with them, cyber security, there are different domains of cyber security of which Data is actually very key. Data is a new oil. And a lot of times we see a, a bit of negligence from these enterprises. I'm not saying that uh, everyone is going to be 100%, but then these are where leakage is coming from. Because back in 2019, when we experienced the COVID, okay, a lot of these big institutions or big enterprises, they have to go into working from home, having remote work giving out a lot of laptops for people to work remotely because everyone cannot come to the office. By that, you, you extended the surface area of attacks. And how have you been able to converge them? How have you been able to protect their leakages from happening? Because these are things that have been sold in the dark space, in the dark web. So big organizations are not. That is why we keep hammering and taking on the cybersecurity month of the awareness month. So we need to master having targeted awareness to different business units of different enterprises because everyone have their different kinds of exposures depending on the kind of work that they do in the different organizations. We need to start applying principle of this privilege. We need to start applying um, list administrative um, um, rights to be assigned to them because you do not know where these laptops are going to end up. We need to start applying strong authentication means encryption so that if there are, there are incidents of theft this particular data can be wiped off so that it's not going to be used against them so it is all encompassing and it actually means all hands needs to be on deck in this particular campaign okay um, okay nicely put thank, thank you, you for you know to picking in them one by one and you know explaining um, all of that i was talking to you know someone who is in an sme He's in that SME sector and he says, see, bro, when you mention cybersecurity, anybody in like the small business owner just leaves the room or leaves the group chats because nothing concerns them. But let's move to workforce in terms of the trends and what we noticed. Are we having, you know, the jackpot syndrome affecting the cybersecurity um, workforce? And are we also seeing indigenous cybersecurity tools and platforms growing? Mr. Goodness. Yes, thank you. I mean, good point you mentioned here. Um, a couple of factors, like you mentioned, the, the debt, and the de that debt is the debt of skills um, due to the migration of those skills out of um, Nigeria and even out of Africa to other countries due to, of course, the, cripple, the, the crippling economy that we have has resulted in some of the things that we're seeing. And that's just the truth. Um, I mean, we, 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 talk to, we, talk, we talk to a lot of organizations, okay? And one of the one of the things that they always mention when it comes to managing your cyber security in-house is the fact that one the infrastructure for managing this this cyber security the budgeting is really not there especially when you're dealing with smes okay 
because for you to put a proper defense in the cybersecurity infrastructure for organizations, you must be able to um, purchase. And um, purchasing power is different for organizations. And when we start looking at SMEs, we find out that, I mean, what, how much how much really do they make as profit? And again, so how much really do they do they have to get so that they will not so the amount of money they are going to put into cybersecurity? And that's that's on the that's on the infrastructure side um, tools. Then there is also the skill side lacking, which is different. You at some point they will start up um, for working in some of these organizations here in Nigeria and Africa, and then after after some point they will just leave because they find that it is it's really better for them to work out there where they will receive more pay, more incentives. Than here in Africa or here in Nigeria, so that, that that again is one of the things that we are seeing, and really one of the, one of the things that we would love to, I mean, when we talk to SMEs, is to encourage them to adopt uh, cyber security as a service, where rather than them invest in with in, in lots of infrastructure, in lots of tools, they can simply choose to adopt services of cyber security who are out there like ethnos for example who will be able to provide those services for those smes so they don't need to invest in them it's just like subscribing for a service one of the things that they are doing what they're doing currently is monitoring the uh, doing threat intelligence across their different external uh, for smes that have for example you're an sme that uh, provides uh, fashion you do clothing or whatever you do, and you have um, platforms, maybe web platforms, web portals, sites that you use for uh, um, showcasing whatever it is you do. All, all of those are your external services. So, uh, managed cybersecurity service providers help to be able to monitor the threats across those external um, external services, external platforms, and be able to track down or take down or even block whatever kind of threat that is going to be used. Uh, so, it's, it's more proactive. It helps to identify it in time, takes it down, and then reports back to the organization and says, so, so, and so was about to happen to the organization, and we are taking it down. So these are some of the actions that can be used to help SMEs that don't have the big budget um, for, for putting in place infrastructures and also in the people that will help to be able to fight these cyber attacks. Okay, so as we move into the rest of 2023, I mean the tail end of 2023 and a new year of 2024, what expectations do you have uh, and this is the range of discussions and topics we've you know dealt on from the the tools and the platforms to the persons that work in the space to the different businesses and sectors generally what expectations should we have in 2024 okay with respect to the outlook of 2024 Okay, I would have said generally they might not be new as such. Uh, okay, but it's more like um, what we what we saw in 2023. We're actually going to see more of it happening. Just like Mr. Goodness was speaking, he mentioned something about the workforce store shortage of cybersecurity. There have actually been a shortage in skilled cybersecurity professionals, and this this particular gap is actually expected to persist in 2024. Because right now, there will be a January window for the same, in quotes, JAPA syndrome. So what organizations are meant to do is now to invest more in training and education of cybersecurity force. We need to start going into schools, create a talent pool. Just like um, Ethnos mentioned, cybersecurity as a service, a lot of companies, organizations today, be it in the um, financial space, be it in the government agency, they now outsource cybersecurity where they are sure that this particular talent pool are always going to come in. A lot of other uh, information security companies, just like Ethnos mentioned, they are also getting academies to build these talents. You can get school leavers, people that just uh, finished NYSC. We try to also educate and bring them up to speed. It is not usually about the pay anymore because we've seen a lot of abuse in this particular um, space. On the cyber talents, people don't actually go in there for passion anymore. It's now because of the number of digits in dollars that they're going to get. And when that is now the the focus, you see that this particular cybersecurity talent is not going to be sustainable. So it's more of investing at an, at a very early age in different schools and also building that security culture. More again, looking at the 2024, I want to speak from a financial space. We'll be having a um, like an open banking, okay? 
Today, different integrations happen at the back end for different services. Today, we are having a lot of um, technologies as a service. What is happening at the back end? There's a lot of application programmable interfaces that happen, a lot of integrations. Guess what? These integrations today, they might appear to be legitimate, but in general, we'll start seeing kind of backdoors. So we need to start making this clarion call for the different API management suits, the different API securities. These are things that we are actually going to see from 2024. It is actually a great area now, but it's something that is going to hit us very hard if we do not manage it very well. So there's need to actually boost the cyber resilience and improve communication between cyber leaders today and the business leaders. When that um, communication is improved, you have to review the organizational um, design and of course, building this security awareness across board. Another thing we're going to be seeing with this kind of, uh, in 2024, in cybersecurity trends, is now going to be the third party risk, okay? Today, I have, I'm relying on a third party for a particular service. Mm -hmm. Guess what? The third party has a third party, which becomes your fourth party. That one too has a third party that becomes your fifth party. And this trend is going to continue to the end party. So what is being done to actually benchmark this particular is because whether I like it or not, the fact you are going to be integrated to different technologies or different companies, their own risk is now coming to you. There's now a call for constant improvement of the security posture. There's now going to be a call for constant um, or periodic vulnerability assessment and penetration testing across the organizations, across the different segments that these particular third parties actually have. Because you need to keep communicating this across board. And in fact, if you have to even build um, more like a questionnaire or a particular baseline for them to have before they integrate to you, is also going to be encouraged. But we are going to see more of those kind of third party risks and they ought to be mitigated. Mm. Lastly, we actually, actually now, or let me say in 2023, there was actually a perception, okay, when it has to do with leadership. In 2022, a lot of uh, business leaders did not really care about cybersecurity that much. Okay, but now we've seen a convergence from this from the business and security leaders on the importance of managing cybersecurity risks. I can tell you for free that even while I attend board meetings, even the board chairman had to conduct a tabletop exercise within the board meeting. This is actually this goes far to tell you that more than 39% of organizational leaders today, they've identified and agreed to the fact that cybersecurity is now a key enabler. Interestingly, if we want to break further, in fact, 51% of business leaders and 32% of security leaders have given such kind of answers as well. So we're going to now start seeing that convergence and it's actually a good one for cyber leaders today, for, for security or information security as it were across board, and this also substance to Africa. So talking about the cyber attacks, I mentioned that of the third party risks. I mentioned that of the, there's also going to be rise, there will be more, there will be more um, rises when it has to do with AI, okay? Because different, the way we are now speaking to this, in the same way our separated brethren in quotes are also going to be discussing. So they are also going to be, they are also going to be a rise in the defense of sophistication of cyber attacks. We're going to see that trend. Cloud security is not left out. More OEMs are actually going to the cloud. So I don't know how many of us, um, whenever we are looking at the cloud agreement, we actually go through it. We just click next, 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 and that's all. Guess what? It is a shared responsibility now. So we're going to be seeing those kind of challenges. And it's something we need to start nipping at the boards as as long as we are in this business of cybersecurity. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much. For those who saw deep fakes in 2023 and made a lot of noise about it, you know, when people had already started talking about it from 2021, 2022. Uh, well, as we've heard Mr. Martin say, we would most likely see a lot more of that in 2024. So, Mr. Goodness what's your own take on what to expect in 2024 and since you know mr martin has already said we're most likely going to see a lot more of what we're seeing here now in 2023 and 2024 
what plans in terms of mitigation should we be prepared for? All right, thank you so much. Um, yes, I, I totally agree with um, Mr. Martin. Um, when we are planning for 2024, we are not going to see something different from what we are seeing in 2023. What we are just going to see is just an increase in the sophistication. Okay? So if we are saying ransomware today, in 2023, we are still going to see that same ransomware in 2024. And again, you see, the reason why we will continue to see that ransomware is because uh, ransomware, the baseline for every successful ransomware attack has to deal with the people. You understand? We always talk about the people as the most important in every organization, the most important and yet the weakest in the chain in cybersecurity. And the most important and yet the weakest. So we're still going to see preparation of ransomware attacks. And we're going to, we're going to see that it's more and more sophistication in the way ransomware attacks is going to happen. One of the key one of the key differentiators between 2023 and 2024 with regard to ransomware attacks would just be the use of machine learning and artificial intelligence to improve the efficiency and effectiveness of that particular that, that kind of attack. So that's that's something that's sophistication we're going to see. All right. So something else we are, that I also talked about. I mean, we're already seeing that in other in other countries, um, but again, we're, we're going to see that in Nigeria, and it's it's, it's the, the focus on I, IoT devices. Okay, we're having more and more smart smart homes today mm -hmm. um we have in fact currently today somebody can be in his office and put on his ac and put on music he can put to stay in his office and put on things in his house he can he can just put on a lot of things because a lot of um the, the usual things that we usually use um i want to enter my house today i will have to use the lights automatically rather than having to be physically there these are these are the internet of things people are quite adopting if i pull are correctly investing now all of these real estate I, I see them from time to time. They, they tell you that we, you now have they are building smart homes for you, and which, which is good. I mean, people love to live smart. People love to criminals. We'll, we'll have to now focus attention and exploiting the vulnerabilities of these smart devices. Because right now, the focus of adopting smart devices is for living peacefully and for living in bliss. Okay, your bliss life will soon turn to problem-filled life when you have attacks coming and targeting those smart homes. Those you are those smart cars that you have, those industrial IoT systems. So we're going to see more of that happen in 2024 because we are seeing this shift of adoption of people using IoT devices. Okay, that's something we're going to have. Now, something else I also thought about, the fact that we're going to look at is mobile devices. Okay, so uh, people are, more and more people are using mobile devices. Oh, we have fintechs today that run their whole banking operations on a single mobile app. Okay, the typical traditional banking will be that you have to go to the bank, you have to do this, you have to do that, different branches. Now, everything can be run on mobile apps. So you are seeing more and more fintech organizations just coming up with the, 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 the way of assessing everything that you want to do banking, whether it's lending, whether it's um, provide do transfers, withdrawal, anything that you want to do, even requesting for any services, even flights. For example, I'm not seeing that some fintechs now are even giving the, the option for you to book your flights right there on your banking uh, banking app. All of these things are so it, it all boils down to mobile devices and the application around your mobile devices and because those those mobile devices are the first things closer to the humans uh, closer to the users we're going to see more and more exploitation of those mobile devices uh, mobile specific threats um for um for, for those for those kind of users so in a nutshell these are some of the things we're going to see and, and more about that we'll, we'll soon release them um, as our uh, just as our usual practice, we we'll release our 2024 cyber threats and outlook for the for the next year, which is a couple of these things I have mentioned. But then again, um, as a way of mitigating all of these things, which is the most important we're talking about, the, the truth is that when it comes to mitigation, the mitigation for cyber attacks, cyber threats, it, it does not start with with purchase of a of a new solution or another solution or a, a new product. It, it it starts as simple as educating people. That, that's that's simply where it starts. Okay, we, we talked about the fact that identity is the perimeter, is the new perimeter, and so you want to be able to build human firewalls, so to say, for your yourself, for your organization, for the business that you operate. You want to be able to build human firewalls, just like a typical firewall that you have that protects organizations. You want to be able to invest in the people that are in your organization. So. Education, education of the users is where we start from. That is why we have this October, this Cybersecurity Awareness Month, which is focusing on making people aware. And like I said, making people aware is not just about the top people around the organization, but even to the gate man that is opening my gates 
to the market woman that is selling on the streets, to the businessman that is selling a labor, and to everybody just needs to be cyber aware of the things that are happening. So that's essentially where it starts from. Okay, so we want the case where everybody is speaking the gospel, not just a selected number of people. Uh, we want the case where every single person. Um, we they train you to be cyber where you take that message to the next person and that chain continues when we when we the more we educate users the more uh, uh resilience that human firewall becomes so that, that that's like the very first step then of course investing in artificial intelligence as a way of boosting cyber security solutions that you have you so you remember how we said that Hackers are using artificial intelligence and machine soft to, to make their attacks more, more sophisticated. So that same way, we can harness the power of artificial intelligence on the on the on the defensive side now to able to make the security solutions that we are deploying, security solutions that we are using to protect ourselves to also be secure. One the case where um, the security solutions are not just do, are not are not using the traditional approach. One the case where the security solutions are learning attackers, learning their pattern and using those learned patterns to be able to improve their own resilience so that they can be able to see behavioral patterns or behavioral shifts in the way attackers move, the way they work, and also use that to combat whatever um, attacks they are going to do in the nearest future. Uh, one of the things that Ethnos has, has invested in doing recently is it's uh, developing indigenous solutions. We have we just launched two months ago, we launched the Aquila app platform the Aquila platform is a web-based platform that actively protects users that are using mobile apps. Okay, so whether it's banking, whether it's a bank apps, or whether it's a commercial apps, whatever mobile apps that are using for running your business, you import it on that pla on the platform on Aquila platform, and we protect those applications, those mobile applications against any kind of exploitations. We are also harnessing the power of artificial intelligence on the Aquila platform because the Aquila platform is constantly um, curating data and learning behavioral patterns of cyber attacks actually targeted on mobile applications and so we're using that to improve the resilience of the Aquila platform. So these are some of the things that we are we, we are doing. That's one of the things organizations can begin to adopt as a way of preparing themselves um, to get some of those threats that are coming up in the, the next year. Mm. Thanks for the detailed response. Now from money to living your life to social media to getting businesses most people do almost everything on mobile applications these days. When we talk about mobile app security and protection, what exactly do we mean? Why is it important? And I'm talking of both for those who build these apps and for those who use these apps. And I think this is how we're going to wrap up this conversation today because at the end of everything, most persons who receive services, you know, are usually from from apps so mr goodness tell us a bit about you know what mobile app security and protection is all about uh why it's important also for both the persons who create these apps and the persons who use the app yeah so i mean we, 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 we cannot talk about mobile app security without, without going i mean if, if you look at the history of people assessing i mean users assessing um, services. So, organizations in the past that want to provide services to people, mm -hmm. um, they usually build web applications, for example. Yeah. Okay, they usually uh, that's usually that was the usual pattern. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, I mean even before then, you will have to actually go to the a banking hall, for example, to do transactions. And all of a sudden, we stay hearing web or internet banking platforms and all of that. These are the traditional methods people used, and and that would have meant that people will have to. <laughs> go to a computer, for example, a laptop or a desktop, open a browser and begin to um, um, assess whatever services that an organization is providing to them. Now, that is, all of this was in the past. Now, there has been more and more adoption of, of smartphones. Um, I mean, in Nigeria, the number of, the percentage increase in number of smartphone usage in Nigeria has almost tripled between 2022 and 2023, just in Nigeria alone. I wasn't going to Africa and then globally. So we are seeing that the fact that uh, even down right down to the villages, right down inside inside those villages, where you find that um, where you find that most more and more people have begun to use more and more smartphones. So organizations have now changed their approach of providing the service. I mean the medium of providing the services instead of having to provide it across a web browser or a web platform, they are now providing it right there in the user's palm in his smartphone. So he's able to access all whatever he needs to access right there. On his mobile app organizations too that have staff that log on to 
staff today will want to access one or more applications to carry their services. So, and the staff will have to maybe either access to a VPN to write their location to the application. Uh, right now, the organizations are now providing some sort of thin client app on their mobile phone where everything that you need to do, you just tap the, the app on your mobile phone. Are you able to do anything that you want to do? Even this authorization, for example, you can tap your phone, open the app, mobile app on your phone. I can do any authorizations that uh, you want to be able to carry out. These are, these, are, these are the adoptions that we have seen so far. So it's as if the interface for users accessing services have been brought more and more closer to the person before it was far away. And, and because of this, again, uh, the, the more, like we always say, the more you adopt cloud, uh, the more you adopt um, process automation in what you're doing as a way of simplifying like your life, the more hackers see that as a way of entering into your life. So you're trying, trying to make this easy, but it's actually, you're also, also not only making this easy for yourself, but also making things easy for hackers to be able to access you. So that is why more and more mobile applications, uh, mobile application security has been brought to the fore. There is this standard. There is this standard that we we used to know about for um, for, for uh, web web application security, which is called OAPS. OAPS is Open Web Application Security Project. It's a standard or a framework uh, that has the top ten risks that are associated with web applications. But you see, because we have the proliferation of mobile applications now, we can no longer apply that top ten OAPS to um, to the mobile application on security. So that's why they have, we have to now create uh, a new top 10 specifically for, um, uh, for, for, for mobile applications. So we now have what is now called the OAP's top 10 mobile application, um, um, uh, top 10 mobile application security, where it is now focusing on the top 10 risks that are specific for mobile applications cut across insecure data storage, security configurations, uh, inadequate privacy controls, and supply chain, uh, like, like Mr. Martin earlier mentioned. So uh, again, it has, it has now become necessary for security protections to now go directly to where those mobile applications are. And that is why we, 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 we created this, um, this platform called Aquila. Uh, we, we, of course, we, we created it, uh, I mean, apart from the fact that we wanted to protect applications, we also saw the fact that um, right here, we are, we, are, we, are, we are having to deal with FX issues. So people, organizations that want to purchase security solutions will have to purchase it in dollars, for example. I mean, we all know how um, getting dollars currently affects issues that are currently having. So, uh, I mean, we, we saw that gap in the country and we said, why, why don't we have a solution developed locally for, it, for protection of the mobile applications that we have? So that's why we, we usually call Aquila a security protect developed by African developers for African developers. So that's what we really call it. Developed by African developers for African developers. Because we want a case where we are using the local content, the local talents that we have to develop local security solutions that are tailored to protecting the applications that the, uh, both the Nigerian and the African users uh, use so that's essentially that that approach that we are using, and we have seen a lot and lot of organizations begin to adopt Aquila platform to use for protecting the the business applications, mobile applications they are using for running their business. Hmm. So, in a nutshell, let's speak to a user right now in terms of protection for the user as we preach the gospel of cybersecurity throughout the year not just in october but the rest of the year i would want um, a few seconds less than a minute dedicated to speaking to the person who is listening to you who uses a mobile application someone who you know needs to hear about what's happening to ensure that they are cyber secure on their own end mr martin and then mr goodness and then we wrap up um for this episode all right thank you very much i'm talking about the mobile application um security from the user perspective. The truth is, uh, just like Mr. Goodness mentioned, a lot of applications are out there with the mobile version just to make our work easier, okay? Yeah. I walk into a supermarket, now the supermarket is saying, you don't have to always come here. Download our app. You even get rewards for shopping with us. Yeah, true. An application needs to be downloaded. I walk in to get uh, fuel at the fuel station. I'm prompted in some parts of Africa Download our app. You can just go ahead and do that. You can make payment with it. I walk in. I want to make uh, payments for my internet services. Now, a lot of them have a mobile app version. It goes to cable subscription. 
it comes down to maybe even having the fourth tokens and the likes. So mobile applications have actually come to stay with us. But then again, for user listening to me today, whatever mobile app you download, it is meant to a specific function. A lot of times, unknowingly, we give consent to these apps to do some a little more than they are supposed to. So you need to actually pay attention to the different them reviews. You need to pay attention to the different them acceptance that you do when you download and try to use this application. Sometimes they demand for your location. Unknowingly, you've turned on location services. Sometimes they ask for access for your contacts. Why does an application that I need to pay my mobile app ask for my contacts? These are the things that we need to pay attention to that we mm. don't exactly pay attention to. And at the same time, now we're speaking to data, um, data protection. How many of these mobile apps actually put these in their context? Have they been able to secure their backend? Have they been able to leverage pen testing or putting all of these code signing certificate, all of these kind of protections across? That is why today there are some applications that can be used in an Android that cannot be used in an iOS platform. So what I'm saying is that we need to actually pay attention. Um, Mr. Goodness talked about the human firewall. Okay, firewall is something I've worked throughout. Um, I've worked a lot of times throughout the years. But then when you talk when you talk about the human firewall, okay, the heartbeats of this human firewall is actually common sense. Okay, that is why I also emphasize that whenever you download an app. It needs to do what it is supposed to do, not a little more. So there's no point of them um, good plating. So uh, while you do that, you need to also be situationally aware. And if you need to follow any policy or go ahead to respect privilege access, all of these surround the human firewall. And you do not need to let information to pass through you as a mobile user of any of these applications. Ensure that they have good ratings. Ensure that. Um, they don't even take some other applications at the back end to download and install without your consent, just to be careful. At Ethnos, we are focused on solving customers' problems. Whether it is securing the applications and databases that power your business, the users and customers that access your infrastructure, API calls that go in and out of your business, securing people who are your greatest assets, but also pose your weakest link. We also look after your relevant security regulatory standards and the frameworks that you should comply with. Yes, we are Ethnos to solve real problems. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.